Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Movie Time. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. Yes, wet, rainy Los Angeles, California, where we're going through the storm they call Lucifer. Uh, yeah, very scary. So I decided I'm going to stay my butt indoors. I made some uh, curry chicken and some rice. And I am doing a podcast with two lovely ladies and, of course, Arpo. And I'm very The unlovely lady. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, uh, but I'm happy to be here. Of course, that voice that you just heard uh, is the one and only Arpo. How are you doing, Arpo? I am doing well. Hello, everybody out there. And uh, it's great to be back for another exciting week of whatever. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, and um, hopefully Grayson will be able to join us a little bit uh, later. As you guys know, Grayson is a Canadian and she's recently uh, got her citizenship. So now Grayson is a... Uh, is an American, so I guess I, we got to be kind of nice to her now. Now that she's no, we don't. just a foreigner, a foreigner, as a, our, uh, one of our, our presidents used to say all the time. Uh, but um, hopefully, she'll be able to join us and take part in this uh, discussion that we're going to have tonight. So, uh, but congratulations to her for uh, becoming. She sure picked a great time to become a U.S. citizen. <laughs> I was I was telling her the other night she had to make sure that uh, Donald Trump was going to be at the ceremony so he would know that she is not one of the ones that has to be sent back. Right. You know what's so funny about that is, like, I think a lot of U.S. citizens are going the other way, and she decides that she's coming here. So uh, I think that's pretty funny, but. Um, but, you know, once again, congratulations to her and hopefully that uh, she'll make it back in time enough to join this conversation. So let's get to our guest tonight. I am so happy to uh, have these these young ladies uh, with us. Um, one lady I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet. Um, Alice Fuller. How are you doing, Alice? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing excellent. And I'm so happy that um, you are here with us. Uh, joining us and, and thank you for being here. Thank you for the invite. Yes, and this lady, I call her my dance instructor, and we'll go into why. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm speaking into existence. Uh, this lady, I from the moment I was made aware of of you, I've been a fan. Um, you are, you know, definitely must see TV when you are doing your different broadcasts. And, you know, I, I always enjoy chatting with you, debating with you, and all of that good stuff. Uh, the, one, the one and only Tachi. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yes. So, um, and, and I guess it's been probably about a, what, a year now since uh, we met on Blab, right? About At Blab Class of 2015, yeah. Oh, wow. Man. It's <laughs> crazy, though. The time just flies, you know? It does. Yeah, so... Um, but now, you know, Blab has died. And, uh, yeah, just like my high school. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm class of, of 1975, and I no longer have a high school. And it's funny. Wow. You're the class of 75, and I uh, was born in 76. So, man. Way to make him feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I am the old man of the radio. so uh -huh. The old man of the internet. And um, 
if, and uh, I want to give a shout out to Aaron, uh, who's in the chat room as well. And if you, you can listen to us live, uh, the audio podcast, you can go to IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. Or you can go into uh, the PVS Alliance pager group and you can see our uh, feed in Facebook Live as well. You can see us. So, all right. Now, but before, before, Kente, before you start uh, with questions for them, I just want to ask one thing. Neither one of these lovely ladies is the guest you mentioned last week you were booking for this week. Is that correct? No, no, Tachi. It's the, it's Tachi. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're the one that did the uh, uh, thing with uh, Epic, the Dawn of Destiny. No. The no. Yes. Yes, that's me. That's you. Okay, good. That's I'll me. have questions. I'll have questions about that later because I've done an audio book as well, but uh, nothing uh, along the lengths of the enormous production that, that must have been. Wow. Okay. Uh, okay. Continue on. I'm sorry. Wow. I didn't know anybody even knew about that. Okay. Hey. Oh, right. <laughs> See, so, yeah, he's a he. He definitely does his research. I I got to give him props for that. So that's good. So um. So let's start off with uh, with you, uh, Miss Fuller. Um, give us a little background into yourself. Where, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina. All right, Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I haven't had a, the pleasure of being near yet. What, what was it like growing up in Raleigh? <laughs> I have no complaints. I mean, it's, it's it's the South. It's the East. I think the great the greatest thing about being uh, in North Carolina is you're right in the middle of dirty South and what people consider the North, you know, people in DC, Baltimore. So you get an influx of everything. Um, not, and I do mean everything. Cause if you're in Fayetteville, also known as Fayetteville, then you, um, <laughs> then, you <laughs> then you know about, you know, why they call it the dirty South because the dirty South is where they bring the drugs up through, through the state. So, which is why, uh, Biggie got arrested in this, in the great state of North Carolina <laughs> for doing drugs. But please, but please, that is not, I don't want the state to be known just for, for, <laughs> for, for, for no, not, being when arrested. Been, not when they've been doing such a great job with the LGBT <laughs> problem. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. I will not, I cannot, I cannot write a press release for the, for, for Raleigh, nor the great state of North Carolina. I cannot. Okay. All right. So, uh, Tachi as well, uh, where are you from originally? Oh, boy. How much time do we have? So, actually, I'm originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan. My parents are Nigerian, so I'm of Nigerian background. I am from Ann Arbor, Michigan, but then we moved to Buffalo, New York. I actually uh, grew up for a little bit on the campus of the University of Michigan because my dad was working there. And when he graduated or was going to school there, when he graduated, he got a job as a professor at the University of Buffalo. So we ended up moving to Buffalo. So for the most part, I grew up there. Oh, in Buff- more Buffalo than Ann Arbor. Buffalo, New York. Yeah, more Buffalo than Ann Arbor. Okay, what was that like uh, growing up in Buffalo? Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it is, Buffalo is the, 
as you know, it's one of around one of the cities around the Great Lakes, and that was you know at the time that we moved there, there was still a good amount of industry that was there, and so what ended up happening is you know that industry really stopped when you had Bethlehem Steel that left and a lot of these places. So it became that's why they call it the Rust Belt because it basically you know stopped and it's like rusty. So. You, you, I've seen the transition of it go from, ne never was it a huge booming town because you have to think about this, New York State really only has one major state, New York City, which has 8 million people. Buffalo is the second largest and there are barely 200,000 people, I think, there. So that shows you the, uh, that there's New York City and every place else in New York State. So it, it, it was an interesting grow, growing up there. And then, of course, you mentioned Canada. Buffalo was right across the bridge from Fort Erie, Ontario. So we had a lot of Canadian influence. So I watched all, all sorts of Canadian television. I um, learned to speak French from the Canadian Sesame Street. So, so it was an interesting growing up. You know, it, you know back in the day, like, used to be able to just go over, you know, the border to Canada or to Mexico. But, you know, post 9-11, you know, now you need your, uh, you need a, um, a passport. Um, was that something that you did, you know, growing up? Did you go over, you know, when the border was more open? Oh, yeah. Remember, the, the, we used to buy gas there. So we used to, my mother would pick us up from school and be like, okay, we have to go buy gas. Let's go to Canada. Because it was so much cheaper there. Because it was, um... Like, there were a couple of gas crises that had happened, and that was during one. So gas was so expensive in Buffalo, most people would just drive to Ontario and get their gas. So we were there at least once a week. <laughs> there, was a, there was this show, it was, a, it was a really good show that was on the History Channel. It was called, like, How the States Got Their Shapes. Yeah, oh my god, I love that show. I love that show. That show was so cool. I love that show. And I, I remember there was, like, a library. I think it was in Buffalo where like ha like there was a portion of the library was in Canada and the other portion was like like literally when you go into the to the library like you would be one side of it is the US side the other side was the Canadian side and then like they had like a street that um one side like literally the other side of the street was like Canadian you were in Canada and the other side wow. in, in America I remember uh, tripping out with that so, uh, That's gonna uh, be confusing for somebody going there for the first time and say, "Hi, could you tell me where the autobiographies are?" Yeah, they're over there in Canada. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So, um, so uh, where did you go to uh, to uh, high school at uh, Tachi? I went to uh, started off at a Catholic high school, Turner Carroll High School, which closed, mm -hmm. and then I transferred to. Bennett High School, which closed this year. So none of my schools are open either, so I identify with you. Mm -hmm. Now, um, for, for both of you ladies, uh, when you guys were in high school, did you guys pretty much know what you wanted to be, or was that something you got later? I did. I knew, I knew, I knew kind of early that I was going to be in something involved in television and or radio and writing. I knew, I knew relatively early, probably mm, middle school, early. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, I did. I kind of floated in between things. I always had an interest in like media and television. In fact, 
television was always on. My mother used to call me TV addict. So I knew that somehow I was going to work with television. But initially, what I thought I wanted to do was to go into fashion and become a designer. And um, yeah, it doesn't sit so well with Nigerian parents. So, <laughs> so I found something else to do. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. So, um, so. And, you know, because when I was when I was pretty young, I knew what I wanted. Right. And um, but unfortunately, well, I don't say unfortunately, um, life kind of took me around about way to get there. So my question for you ladies were, was it when you guys got out of school? Um, I, I don't know if you guys I, I know Tachi, you went to college. Uh, uh, did you go as well? Alice? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like when you were in, in college, um, were you put working towards uh what you wanted to do for your profession or or was it like one of those situations where you maybe did something differently not at all once i got right out of high school i went right into my first semi-professional no actually it's professional radio station because i thought i was going to do radio first and so right out of high school i went and got uh, an internship at the one of the local radio stations and uh, it happened to be on the campus, which would be my alma mater, which is St. Augustine's University, it was St. Augustine's College then. Although I thought I was going to Carolina, but my parents thought otherwise. So, <laughs> so um, I ended up, <laughs> I ended up at St. Augustine's University, and literally, as soon as I graduated from high school, went right, literally down the street and around the corner to a degree from mom's house, and. Um, Got my first internship in radio and did that for a little while. And the radio station evolved into a television station. And this was not a college radio. This was a professional AM radio station. So we got real, real experience uh, working with, you know, working the boards, cut, cutting ads and promos and all of that stuff. So and then the um, it was called WAUG. AM 750, and then it evolved into uh, a professional television station on St. Alex campus. So I just went down the hall. I put down the uh, put down the microphone and decided I wanted to do television. Just literally went around the corner <laughs> and picked up a camera, and that was pretty much it. After that, I mean, I still love radio, but mostly for listening, not for working. <laughs> <laughs> That is oh wow that's that's the, how how convenient is that to uh, totally be able to switch your career by walking around the corner of the corridor and saying hello yeah the beauty of it was fantastic at, at that particular time it was just radio and because television was beginning to evolve there on campus with video production and things of that nature so when they built the radio part first and then when they built the television end and built the studio it was like okay well what do we do with all this new equipment we got cameras we got cables we got video switchers we got a studio and uh i'm a geek undercover so it's just like hey uh do i get to touch stuff too <laughs> do i get to create do i get to create can i create because all producers are creators at, at their core so it's just like let's create let's produce something anything so, uh, so it was it was it was great because it it taught it gave me the foundations of everything taught me how to shoot taught me how to edit 
uh, be a one-woman show as far as a production is concerned. If need be, I try not to be. But uh, if I have to, I could shoot it, edit it, and now uh, if I had to now distribute it on social media. <laughs> so. And it's the kind of hands-on training, you know, learning by doing that mm -hmm. you can't really get now. That's true. I mean, you're very, you, very you, right. You were with a television station in its infancy where I'm assuming really nobody was 100% sure about what they were doing. And to be able to go in there and just start doing and saying, oh, okay, this works, this doesn't, and being able mm -hmm. to experiment like that. My God, that what better way is there to learn an industry? I don't know of one. No, it was it was it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it taught you how to do guerrilla television. What I call what I mean by guerrilla is okay. Right now, I got a I got two key lights. I got a key light in front of me, and I got one behind me. But in those days, I was literally crawling up a ladder and doing a uh, doing the grid for the lights, and then I do the I do the set first, then do the lights, then set up the cameras, then run the cameras. Then, <laughs> then run across the hall and run the switcher if I had to, because you know, just simple, simple edit, and then um, record, shoot it, take it out of the machine, edit, and then you got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, today, no, you no, everybody's got it a little bit more simply today. He's like, oh well, I'm the producer, and you're the shooter, and you're the audio person. And you're the production assistant. I took all and the nobody credits. touches anybody else's buttons. Exactly. Yeah. In those days, I pushed all. I pushed all the buttons. I was just like, I'm going to be the PA. I got to get the coffee first. Then I got to build the set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that sounds like that sounds like my theater training right right, right, right out of the right. book. Right. Yeah. You, you know what's so yeah, funny? So you get it. Like I don't. I, I never wanted to be like you know one of those guys that's like, well, back in my day or whatever. But I feel myself being like that because when I hear the like the, the real young cats talk about how hard it is, and I'm like, hard. It is so much easier now. They don't know mm -hmm. what hard is. And me and me and Tachi have talked about this on the show before. Like mm -hmm. you know where if you especially when you were like using film, you know like you know like now you could if you screw up you could just. You could just delete it and start over, you know. Like, you know, like you guys, you guys, yeah, exactly. editing. I hate. I well, let me not say I hate editing. It is not my passion at all. However, I learned to edit pretty pretty early, but it's so much easier now. With uh, with uh, I learned on what I forgot what that thing was called now, but iMovie before whatever was before iMovie Final Cut Pro. Is what I basically use now, but back in those days, this was like, you know, the '90s. We were still doing. Um, what were we using then? It was Beta? still it was still linear editing. Yeah, so, it was still linear editing. Um, you were using the two televisions, the controller mm -hmm. in the middle, and zip yeah. zip 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 zip. So. That's it. That is <laughs> it. You take it out, pop it out of one machine, pop it into another machine. Exactly. All of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've been watching from the beginning uh, the entire series of Dark Shadows here. Oh, wow. My, my favorite part on these DVDs is the interviews with the people. Because in the 19th, late 60s, early 70s, what they had to do 
to edit. I mean, literally, if they had to edit a piece of videotape, it was literally take a razor blade and snip it and then hope <laughs> that you're going to cut the other one at exactly, exactly. the same angle so they're going to fit together. Oh, uh, which is why there's so many flubs on, well, not only Dark Shadows, but all uh, soap opera, early soap operas at that time. is because they were basically what doing what they called live filming. They were filming it as if it was a live TV show. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't stop. Because they had no really had no easy way to edit. Yeah, and yeah, when I, you think... I don't like editing. Uh, you know, and 20, 20 years later... You know, you're still with the two TVs and the thing, and now what you have today, 40 years later, probably seems impossible. Like, oh, that's 100 years in the future, being able to sit sit down at my desk and go, oh, hey, I can, okay, now let's do this. That has, wow. It's just gone so far. It just shows how far things have gone. Thank Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Now you can knock out an edit in a matter of minutes as opposed to a matter of hours. Yeah. Depending on how proficient you are at pushing buttons and things of that nature. But everything everything still comes down to preview, program. Preview, program. Even if you're using Final Cut, iMovie, or whatever it is, you still got a preview monitor and you still got a program monitor. That hasn't changed. Which is essentially how they do live TV anyway. So correct. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Tachi, um, I remember one time. This is before uh, I got a chance to uh, really kind of get to know you. Um, I remember there was a, a time that I was on my way out the door, and I was I went on Blab, and I seen you. You were doing a lecture. Um, you were doing a lecture uh, on social media. Do you remember what I'm talking about? And you were doing it. You were, you know, you were basically, you were telling the. Uh, oh, when I was at NAB? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I, I remember going like, uh, you know, I was so riveted by by hearing your discussion that I, I, I know I was late to where I was supposed to be going. Uh, <laughs> so, so I ended up uh, watching uh, quite a bit of it. But um, um, so talk a little bit about uh, um you know, social media and as well as being in a place to really tell, you know, a lot of people uh, about it because, you know, I learned, uh, you know, I can, I have learned from you as well. And um, t- so tell us about that. So basically, uh, it, for, for those who don't know, which is probably a lot of people, I'm also, I'm a, I'm a professor. So I have a PhD in communication. So all of this is what I teach on a daily basis. And um, one thing that I've noticed from being in the academy, especially people who teach communication, unless they're production faculty, where they're really hands-on, a lot of us tend to be theory. And the theory is critically important, but it doesn't mean a damn thing if you can't apply it. So I run into so many professors who don't understand these social platforms, who don't know production, who write all day about the theory behind these shows, but have never picked up a camera to understand why those choices were made. You can't do it. You can sit here and argue all day long with it. And see, the thing is, I'm a mixture of both. I'm both theory because I do the research on media, etc. But I'm also hands-on because I'm a filmmaker and a media maker, etc. I think that to be effective, 
you have to be both. And so that's kind of what I was trying to bring to the session that um, well, I'm part of the BEA, which is the Broadcast Education Association, which is like the educational part of NAB. And so they, you, a lot of professors, a lot of us tend to be hands-on in BEA, but some of us don't understand social media. And my thing is like, these are the platforms that your students are using. How are you preparing them for tomorrow's world if you don't understand how to use them? And I'm not saying you have to know them all in and out and understand the tricks of the trade with them, but you need to have a basic proficiency in that. And I, I'm a huge proponent of being practical. So once you have the theory and you teach them the theory, because that's important, you need to know the why, then you need to know the how. And so my thing is really getting not just professors, but also K through 12 educators on board with the new the new technology realm. Because if you're not there, you will be left behind, and so will your students, because you can't adequately teach them. Yeah, that, that, and that's true of, of, of any science. Uh, whether whether it be social media, whether it be physics or chemistry, it's an established fact. Theory without practice is worthless. A theory means nothing if you cannot put it into practice. Absolutely. The application is the, imp the important part of it. So I've always been like a mixture of both. Now, when it comes to social media, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, platforms that are popular at one point they kind of go away uh you know some are seem to be here for quite a while how do you decide you know in you know when it comes to picking a platform how do you decide which one to go with because i know like if, if you're someone who's not used to it you know there's so it seems to be so many and they have some of them a lot of them do the same functions but some of them are slightly different or really different so how would a, a person who, who's trying to get into it figure it out? Who do you want to go first, myself or Alice? Either, either one. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Go that. ahead, Alice. Well, when we start talking about social and social media, you immediately think, I want to do or I want to be where my friends already are. So if most of my friends are on Facebook, I'll be on Facebook. If most of my friends are on Twitter, then I'll be on Twitter. If... I'm, I'm a millennial and I'm on kick or WhatsApp or snap, then that's where I will be because what's the point in being on a platform by yourself? What's the social in that? So I think most people probably will lean toward where are my friends, my family and everybody going, where are they kind of congregating? That's where I want to be first personally. Now from a business, standpoint you may want to if you're deciding well do I set up a fan page or do I set up uh, a Twitter profile or do I even need to be on snap or Pinterest or Instagram that comes down to where's your audience and where are the people you're trying to reach that's where you want to be is where your audience is that may not necessarily be where you are as a person but professionally I may have to be on Snapchat, but personally, I just prefer to be on Facebook and or Twitter. And I'm not talking about me in general because I'm, I'm, I'm not a Snapchatter. But just in general speaking, I think people probably decide on a platform just based on what's in their immediate circle. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, go ahead, uh, Arvo. I was just going to say, it makes it kind of difficult for me because, like, right now, I'm involved in a series of children's movies in which I play a character named the Wogglebug. It's an animated series. And, uh, you know, so my my target demographic is children, but, you know, I can't go on children's sites. Hey, hey, I'm, uh, I, I'm the Wogglebug. Hey, hey, hey. You know, no, I can't, I, I can't do that, but... Uh, she has uh, the director has set up a, a website for it, so I need to start getting involved with that and letting my audience get to know me. Let, let me let me ask this question because you you just mentioned the website. It seemed like there was a time where you know you had to have a website. Like everybody had, a, if you were real serious, you had to have a not just a website a dot com. With social media, is it still important to have websites? Um, has websites lost some of their importance? Uh, uh, you know, um, Tachi, you might want to take this. Okay, uh, well, I'll start, at least. I, I, I think it, it's really dependent on what it is you're doing. There are some things that people really want to be able to go to a website and get information for, and they feel more comfortable doing it that way because a website is kind of like a brick and mortar in a sense. It acts as a physical presence of something official. And so when you have a website even though it's virtual, it makes it, okay, this is actually really official. Whereas when things live on social media, for some things and for some people, it may seem superfluous and like it's just floating and not attached to anything concrete. So I think it really depends on what your business is and what you're doing. So let me then bring it back to me. For me, I don't have a physical website for so you know I do Mediascope, my Mediascope on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I don't have a physical website for Mediascope. It lives on social media. And I think that works best because you have to also think about is what I'm doing enough to fill up a whole um, website? And can I commit to keeping that website as current as I would keep social media? Let me tell mm -hmm. the truth. I know I'm not going to unless I have somebody else doing it. So for me, social media works best because what I work with is fresh and current and what's new and now. If there's something where there are things that need to live, uh, documents that need to live, information that needs to live, in that case, it's probably better to have some sort of website so that's there all the time. And it's... Um, it doesn't. A website doesn't have to be static, but it's more of a static presence than social media, which is constantly evolving, constantly changing, and is fresh and new. So that's my take on it. I don't know, Alice. You might have a. I have a, a different approach to to that. In in this website versus social media profile. At the end of the day, if you're talking about, usually people rush to Facebook first to, to create some sort of online presence. But here's the thing. Zuck and, and crew, they want you to be on Facebook all day, every day. So you're on somebody else's space. That's somebody else's land that you just happen to take up space on. It's free 99 to a degree. So, but what happens should Zuck decide to sell? What happens mm -hmm. if it gets hacked? What happens if something, one day you can't log into Facebook? Because remember, you have to log in to Facebook to see the content. Mm -hmm. 
you can't even see pages anymore like you used to. You could just go to facebook.com forward slash and whatever the the username was. And it used to be you could just go to the page and view it. Now when you try to view a page on Facebook, this thing pops up that says, hey, don't you want to sign in? And it keeps scrolling down, scrolling down, and scrolling down, and scrolling down. So if you want all of your eggs to be in one basket for Facebook, which is where people more often go to create their first little presence in social media, just be, just be wise in understanding that you have to log into Facebook. A website, generally speaking, unless it's a membership site or something of that nature, you don't have to log into it. People are looking for your service. They're looking for your product. They're looking for your content. And if they've got to log in to see it, you may miss an opportunity. So that's one angle. The other angle about that, too, is as far as where websites are going. The evolution of things, SEO and all of those things that, you know, all those techie little terms that people love to throw out. When it comes down to search, when people are searching for your product, your service, or maybe just even you, once again, do you want someone to always have to log in to get this information? Or do you want something that's readily available to them? Because as a business Every time you set up a presence on Facebook or Twitter or whatever else, remember it always says Twitter.com first. So you're, you're giving all of that traffic to Facebook first, not to what you have. In other words, your own domain. When you have your own website, all that web traffic is going directly to you and you can monetize it. You can do whatever you want to do with it. Facebook has rules and regulations. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do a contest this way. You can't do a contest this way. You can't do this. You can't say that. Your website, I can say whatever I so desire to say. So there's some give and take in, in both. It really depends on do you want, you know, someone having to log in all the time to gain access to you? Or do you want to make it more accessible with just a domain name and they they go to whatever the URL is, and it's right there. And if I Which, could piggyback, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. You first. Okay. Now, if I could, if I could <laughs> piggyback, I, I know I absolutely agree that it's always good to have your own real estate. Because like Alice said, if these things go belly up tomorrow, <clears throat> blab or any of these things, look how we were all scrambling to migrate our content to other platforms. Same thing with Catch. When Catch closed... You know, we were all struggling to migrate because these things went belly up. And that makes sense. I think the reality is, though, you really, those tools, the social tools are helpful because there's more there's more exposure there it's the difference between having your own record label and distributing things out of your car, the back of your car, and then actually having a label to distribute for you. There's much more reach with the bigger label. Though I am a proponent of having your own. So having your own domain, having your own website is helpful. But just know that if that's all you have, you have to work that much harder to drive traffic there. So I think everything has to work in concert. I'm not just a proponent of only having a website. I think you also need to really lean on social tools to help you drive traffic there. Right, but then, as you were saying. Now, real quick, real quick before you... Uh... You go on, Arpo. I just want to take a moment to introduce to the show uh, Grayson Sonata. 
uh, who is the, the new American, uh, who chose to, who chose to join up with us uh, in our time of darkness. Uh, so, uh, hey, Grayson. Hey, how are y'all doing? Pretty good. Hi. Hello. Pretty good. Hello. And and that and we've now coined a new term. It's called Can American. Can American. Can American. Canadian and American. Okay. Yes. Yes. And may is. I be the and may the, I be the first to say, welcome to America, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I cut you off, Arpo. Go ahead. Okay, no, because as you were as you were saying uh, about about blab and and catching on things going all the way, the question now becomes: Do you think there's an expiration date on Facebook? No, if it evolves the way that it's supposed to. See, this is the thing: is with social media, the idea though is you need to be able to understand that you don't need to, you shouldn't be on only one platform. If you're trying to promote yourself, you need to be on the multi-platforms and keep things current. Also, if face, uh, with things like Facebook and stuff like that, and also Google as they're starting to get into things like, uh, you know, switching out their things towards podcasts, towards also promotions, other things like that. In terms of social media, what we are starting to become is more globalized. So what we have to start doing instead of following, oh, this is the latest, greatest trend, must get on that. It's the keeping all of them at an even keel and understanding, yes, you're going to drive different people from different sections, but also, yes, having your own website, you have to be able to attract the people to your website for promotions of either film, product, uh, whatever the thing is that you're trying to attract people to the website. But another thing is also nothing is going to beat physically having a presence and a face. It's like, you know, we are still a society that we want to know the person behind the mask. Yeah. And that social media is only a tool that we can use to generate, but yet at the same time must realize that it's only a tool, not the tool to be able to drive forward. Nothing says more than being able to openly articulate face to face. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is that they do look at Facebook as being the tool, and it's it's really it's it's really not. No, it's not. But but that's what Facebook wants. Facebook has done a, a wonderful job at planting that seed in our heads and in a lot of people's heads that when you think social media, you immediately think Facebook. Uh, and you unfortunately, once you get to Facebook. Facebook has designed it kind of like when you go into a grocery store. That grocery store is designed to keep you in it and to make you buy stuff you had no intention of buying by the time you leave. Mm -hmm. And so Facebook at this level of the game, which is why it's always taking bits and pieces from other platforms. Mm -hmm. We'll just take Snapchat and we'll, we'll just take what we like from it and put it on Instagram. Oh, we'll just take this whole thing about following people from Twitter and we'll put it over here. Oh, we're just going to take this little bit from YouTube since video is the new hotness and we'll and take Pinterest. all the, yes, yeah. and Pinterest and we'll take that and we'll put it over here. Why leave? Why would you want to leave Facebook when we have everything here for you? Yeah, so, That's the mentality. So Facebook is like a drug dealer. It's like a, a, a bad uh, um, uh, spouse or something like that. Like some days, no, it's a tool. Some days you love it. Some days you love it. Some days you want to get away from it. 
But, but, you know, but it's a tool, <laughs> and a necessary tool, and especially if you want to promote yourself and promote your business and promote the works that you do to a broader audience, it is a, one of the tools that you uh, that are unfortunately an unavoidable one in, in today's world. If you want to be able to interact outside of the uh, outside of your zone of social media, in terms of in the, your groups that you have. However, that being said, it could also be used to if it, for example, that you promote too soon, you can pop the champagne cork before the time has actually happened mm. for the actual project, and you can actually have it reversing on you where it's like people actually lose interest in what you're trying to promote. Yeah. Yeah. I want to tie in, too, about this notion that if you have a website versus a, a social profile, the reality of it is once you put up a fan page, especially now, just because you're on Facebook doesn't necessarily mean you're going to garner an audience. The exactly. same work, the same work you have to put into getting web traffic, you now have to put in work to get people to like your page. Mm -hmm. So it's not even about, okay, being on Facebook or being on Twitter or even on Pair, whatever it is, I build it and they will come. Uh, no, they won't. Uh, you're going to you're going to have to put just as much work into building an audience on a social platform that you would trying to get web traffic if you're doing if you're like an affiliate marketer. Absolutely. There's 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 work that needs to be done. I'm sorry, but I, there's work that needs to be done on all ends. It's just easier on some platforms than on other platforms. So, for example, if you look at Facebook, Facebook, I'm sorry, for all intents and purposes, is really still, a, people think about it like friends and family. A lot of the people that you know are the, that are your friends on Facebook are the people that you have either known in real life or know in real life or somehow are connected to them. And then, by and I've done this before, so now I have several pages on Facebook. I see as soon as you share it out, who are the people that are liking it? The people that you already know. So Facebook seems really insular. And for me, it seems more difficult unless you do things like the ads and, and, and pushing and boosting to get outside eyes to, to, um, to latch onto it. But initially, it is easier because you get uh, the benefit of having people you know support what you do, unlike some of the other platforms where it's people that you probably don't know. Some of the great things as well, sorry, one second, I just wanted to also add to that, is some of the greatest things that are also happening is the virtual world environment actually expands on that in terms of it, because then it does allow you to reach outside your quote-unquote circle, uh, inner circle within some of these websites. Okay, so now, as an example, if I decide I really want to promote myself as a voice actor, would you say that the way to go is to create my own website and then use social media to promote it, as opposed to just going on social yeah. media to do it? Mm-hmm, I would. Yes. Because you want to establish yourself as an expert in that field. So you could you could put your name out there to say whatever da, 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 your no, your domain voiceover expert yada 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 dot com. Put all your content there first. Put your content there first. Then share it to YouTube or if you're going to do video or something like that. You know you might embed it there and then put it on your website just because you don't want to pay for extra hosting kind of thing. But at the end of the day, when pe once again when your people are searching for you, searching. 
you want that individual, you want that actor, you want that producer, you want that whoever is looking for your particular expertise to find you and find you quickly. If I have to log into Facebook to see it and to listen to it, as opposed to it's right here under my nose, especially if considering the competition that field already has, well, he, he already has a website. I can go right here and listen to it. This person over here, I have to log into Facebook, then I got to go through this, and then I got to listen to it. And, and you know, being a voice actor myself, I, I kind of, I'm like really, uh, I understand what you're saying. So definitely the website is the way to go. But you know, this industry is really insular. And unless you are represented by somebody already that's helping you get work, or you're listed with one of these sites, it, it's harder. So a lot, most voice talent have um, have websites and a web presence, but that's not the way it really works in voiceover where people are like, oh, I'm looking for something. Let me just go online and look. It's usually through one of the websites, as you know, like uh, Voices.com, Voice123, etc., etc. And uh, that's really how it works in the industry. So it's it's good to have that web presence and it's really good to have a website because that way you can list your demos and all the different things you've done. But no, at the end of the day, and then social is good too, but no, at the end of the day, it, it's really a, a who you know and who knows you thing with VO. You also have to be ready as well when you are looking at things like voiceover websites as well. You want to go on sites that are also professional towards the actual things like Sage32, LinkedIn, Places like that. It's like Bizipedia. You want to be present in the places that people are more likely to look for someone like you to be able to drive to your website. And also on your physical website as well to have samples of your work because they it's like the more chasing that you make people do to make you to make you accessible to understand what range of work can you do, the less interested that they actually become because they're like, okay, I can search 25,000 people uh, for that exact same thing. They want to be able to have it instantly at you. So you want to be able to be social media wise, as well as also presence wise, able to make sure that you have the content available on the site. Make sure your site is very clear of how it's presented to them. And also on the pages that you decide to advertise your site and ad- and create your own pages on these social media sites, that you're making it very clear the work that you do and some of the demo material that is available to them. Let me, let me, ask, drive you guys, let me, bodies. Let me ask you guys a question. Um, uh, I always hear about LinkedIn, right? And I'm on LinkedIn, and they make it seem like LinkedIn is like the more posh or the more... <laughs> professional like if you're, you know it's not it's like, like the, it's facebook not, with class right it's like the classy uh social media is that really true is that is that really true is there a different gravitas with uh with linkedin or is that just a bunch of hype it serves a different purpose i would dare say it's 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 culture the the kind of water cooler that you have around facebook friends family ray ray and them cousins whatever okay on linkedin what it's was established to be initially was this is where we can have these business conversations this is where i can i can talk to the president or i can vice president 
or fellow employees and connect with them around business. Yes, you can still be human. And as we're seeing now on LinkedIn specifically, more and more people are beginning to bring those conversations from Facebook over to LinkedIn. And that is where we're, we're really getting a little sticky right now between, okay, we don't want to see these conversations about your, exactly. your, your, your birth, your baby's birth. I mean, it's great that you can give birth. I mean, you know, that's all well and wonderful. Keep that to Facebook. Keep that to Facebook. Your vacation yeah. photos, not yep. interested. I'm not interested in um, some of these opinion pieces on your on on your politics. I'm not here for that. Nope. Uh, and some of that stuff that generally would be on Facebook is now bleeding its way into LinkedIn. Wherein sometimes it's hard to tell: Am I looking at Facebook? Or am I looking at LinkedIn? And this is, I mean, Grayson and I were talking about this in terms of Facebook just the other night, and that mm -hmm. is, there are some things, especially on LinkedIn, that. You don't want to put the you you know if you think Trump is an idiotic sob, you know why are you going to put that on LinkedIn where someone who is in business who is looking at a possibility of starting up a business relationship with you can see that and say, oh, I, I don't want to get involved with this guy. Exactly, that's just stupid. It's true, but then to it, it, it may depend on. You, sometimes it's better to know up front what you're dealing with as opposed to signing the contract, be in business with the individual, and then find out later, you know what, well, you're not the person I thought you really were. <laughs> I mean, you looked good on LinkedIn. I mean, your summary was, was bomb. Your experience was great. But now that I'm doing business with you, I really don't like you. Well, this is I might have known that a little sooner on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, this is also why a lot of employers and a lot of people that when they're looking at you will look not only at your LinkedIn profile, they will look at your Facebook page, your your Pinterest page, your Instagram postings, all of that to look and see, you know, do you present as professional or do you not present as professional in mm -hmm. terms of that? It's like, what do you allow on your feeds? What do you not allow on your feeds? What kind of pictures do you find to be acceptable or not acceptable? The booby shot that you thought it, you wanted uh, because it looks really cool on vacay does not necessarily, <laughs> when you are having the employer uh, read the same exact way, they're thinking, okay, this person is flighty, irregular. Uh, you know, it's the what you allow on your pages, what you don't allow on your pages. It's like what do you say to people. It's like when, for example, with my LinkedIn page. Um, I prefer that when people contact me, it's about professional things on my LinkedIn page. Don't it's like don't contact me because you want to say hi or it's your birthday or it's anything like that's where my Facebook page comes in of my personal Facebook page, not my company's Facebook page. Again, you know, separating one from the other. And when you're looking at hiring me, even on my personal page, it's like I you know, I tend to tell people if the if something is inappropriate, I say to them, it's like, look, you know what? I love you to pieces, but I can't have this on there in case somebody is looking to hire me uh, for that, you know that uh, for that work because it's like then it reflects on myself. You know what they say? You get hit with the same bullet that somebody else's reputation is on. You know what I've noticed? I don't mind yeah. these cute You know what I've noticed, though? Like, they're adorable. You, you know what I've noticed? Teachers seem to really get it on when they use social media. Like, yes. if they have, like, a twerking video or something like that. I've heard, like, all these stories about these teachers that, you know, they will post them not acting, uh, I guess, in a way that, 
you know, it's teacherly. <laughs> I don't know what well, that means. A lot of times it also goes to another extreme as well. It's like, look, if I'm on vacation and I want to post my picture of me in a bathing suit on vacation with my family, it's like, as a teacher, it's like, that's me on vacation with my my family. Okay, maybe what you might want to do is you might want to put it as private to the people who you want them to see it. And you do have options now on Facebook for that. It used to be a time where if you posted the picture, it was just there. Yeah, now I mean, you can actually it, target it to who you want to see it and who you don't want to see it, of what's personal and what's public. Here's the, here's the thing uh-huh. with, with social media in general. If you don't want for people to see it, regardless if it's private or not, it shouldn't be on there. Because exactly. there's always the possibility that it can somehow get out in something. You might forget to put on a setting uh, to keep it private. Somebody copies it and they have it. And at that point, there's nothing you can do about that. So I, one thing, I can't remember her name, but there was a, a social media strategist that when I went to Social Media Week Miami a couple of years ago, she said, whatever you put on social media, you should be proud of so it's not just about creating a persona for linkedin and then you act like a damn orangutan every place else (laughs) you need to be consistent across and that means if that you know whatever you put up you need to be proud of and stand behind and it needs to be appropriate you need to be consistent across the board so that's just something to think about in social media you you know it's so funny to all you men out there listening i just want to quickly add the codicil if you're really proud of of your cock, we still don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Exactly. But you know what, though? I've, I've seen that like a million times. I've seen that a million times where like their Facebook page, they're like one person and then they're like LinkedIn. It's a totally different kind of person. And, and it is kind of funny. It's like, uh, you know, you're like, wait a minute, is this the same person? This is the same cat, like you know, they're all buck wild on, on one platform, and then on the other platform, they're all buttoned up. So it's but it's, it's no it's different really than what we do in life. It's just like, well, I was buck, I was at the club, oh, I was on the pole, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm not bringing the pole to church. I mean, we're 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 not the same to everybody all the time. We don't talk to them, generally speaking. We don't talk to our mothers the same way we talk to our to our friends. We don't talk to our to our bosses or employees or coworkers the same way we talk to our girls or our boys or you know when we're just you know shooting a beep you know. So on on one end, that's why you have to understand this is the understand the culture of the platform. Don't just jump on the platform and just start using it. Oh yeah, this is this is this is cute. This is popping. Oh, let me put the kittens over here. Let me put the puppies over here. Let me put my. Uh, I'm at I'm at the the company uh, the company after party after the big convention. This happened on LinkedIn not too long ago. Mm-hmm. There were four ladies who took a picture together, and they were dressed, you know, a little sexy, you know, you know, a little cleavage here, a little extra here. Okay, fine. They, someone decided to put the picture on LinkedIn. Someone decided this is not appropriate for LinkedIn because look at the way y'all are dressed. And so then the debate became, well, what's wrong with the way they're dressed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I, I, I kind of know what porn is when I see it, but I can't exactly define it. <laughs> so, so it's all in the eye of, of the beholder. But you got to understand, most of us are not going to be the same way on every platform. We understand. LinkedIn is where I talk business. 
Mm-hmm. Facebook is where I talk to family and friends conversationally. Twitter may be where I talk a whole different way to a whole mm-hmm. set of different people depending on what Twitter list or what my favorite TV show is. Yep. Now, absolutely. Now, um, uh, we we haven't had an opportunity yet to talk about your guys' wonderful show, uh, the social media scene. So uh, <laughs> please uh, fill us in on um, on uh, the show, what we can get when we watch it, and how we can consume. Go ahead, Alice. Start. Uh, well, the the social media scene. Uh, the title basically comes from my background, Tati's background. We're both filmmakers, entertainment social media, you know, passionate about those three things. So it just seemed appropriate to try to combine social media and entertainment and put them in one place. I'm thinking, why not call it the social media scene? Because not to mention when you say scene, you probably you get the connotation that, oh, this is the place to be. This is where people come and meet. This is the spot. So in coming up with the title, that, that seemed fitting. Now, as far as what we talk about on the show, yeah, we're giving you, you know, social media news. But you can Google half the stuff. Hell, I do. <laughs> so the reality of it is, though, we're giving you perspective. And I think in a lot of instances, we're talking about social media. Anybody can Google five ways to do something on Pinterest. Anybody can Google. You can go to the Facebook blog, technically, and get what's popping on, on Facebook. But... Very few can give you perspective. They can give you a perspective as a filmmaker. They can give you perspective as someone who's worked in news, which I have. Someone who's worked in entertainment, which we both have. And uh, two, we can bring a cultural perspective to it, wherein we can we can talk professionally as well as we can talk personally. We can bring our own personal experiences to things. So that's what makes the social media scene kind of fun. Again, you you can see other people doing shows about what's happening in social media, but I guarantee they're not going to bring what Tachi and I bring to it. Because once again, you've got two two women who 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 have similar backgrounds, but she may bring something to it that I can't. I mean, African and African American, but she can bring she can talk to stuff I can't talk to. I've never been to Nigeria. I don't I don't know that many Nigerians. She taught me about that rice we were talking about the other day. What's jollof rice. Jollof rice. Yes. All I know is ten minute and the sticky kind. That's all I know. I'm a southerner. <laughs> <laughs> and so but the fun part the fun part about that is we could relate that to whatever we were already talking about. You're not going to get that on anybody else's show. That's what makes it fun and interesting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And how can we? But then again, I'm biased. So how can we, <laughs> how can we uh, watch the show? Oh, you can go to uh, facebook.com forward slash sure social. It's right there on the fan page. Uh, some of the old episodes you can find on YouTube on the U- sure social YouTube page, and. That's pretty much it for right now. We were we may we may move on to other things, but right now, it's just we're, it's just good because my my computer is a, is a little is a little old, so it's just like look at, <laughs> Alice, you, yeah, it's like Alice, you're doing a lot. You, you push Tyrone. I call my computer Tyrone. Everybody knows that, so that's not a big secret. Tyrone is like, look here, you. I love you, but 
you push, you ask me to do one more thing, and I will shut down. And that did happen on our first live stream. I don't think Tyrone. I don't think Tyrone appreciates you putting his business out there in the streets. Just letting you know. <laughs> Tyrone, no, probably, probably I, I, will put, I will put Tyrone in the street. Okay. Yeah, and but I, you're going to throw blab out. Tyrone's going. I don't need this new crap. What are you doing this new crap for? I like the old crap. I know, right? Because I gut it, Tyrone. I gut it, Tyrone, and put some new hardware in put some new bells and whistles in so that we could have a harmonious relationship as far as live streaming is concerned. And when I get mad, when I I do him wrong, he lets me know, like earlier today, somehow I pushed the wrong button and stuff don't work. When he makes me angry, I shut it down and I threaten to replace him with another Tyrone. Oh, wow. like that, huh? Note to self: Don't get in serious relationship with Alice. <laughs> I don't want to be gutted. See that, that right there? You just hurt. Me. See right there? Uh, what's your name? Arnold? Don't do that. I'm I'm trying to date here, dude. You just messed me up. Fellas, Tyrone is artificial. Now, for, for those of you of flesh, of real flesh, cool. I'll work with you to a degree. Oh, you work. <laughs> well, I, I, just speaking for myself, having this opportunity to talk with both of you like this, uh, I, I think you've made a new fan for your show because I am definitely going to be checking this out. Oh, uh, how awesome. But how awesome. It has been absolutely a fascinating conversation. And... Uh, I'm not finished with you yet, Tachi. I still want to talk about the book, but we'll make sure we've got everything else covered before we yeah, start absolutely. getting off into tangents. Yeah. Now, um, now, also, too, I'm going to make you a fan of another show that Tachi's a part of. And, um, you know, uh, now, our pro is our... He takes bullets for us, basically. Um, wow. Basically, he watches a lot of pro movies that... Uh, I would probably pull my eyes out uh, if I had to watch. Like he watches a, a bunch of uh, really, really uh, questionable movies, and he does reviews. So I, I don't have to do it, right? So he's our movie uh, guru expert. And you have a wonderful show with a uh, with um, Joe Wilson, and I, I'm so sorry, I, I forgot what the, uh, the the other lady's name is. Uh, Colleen Costello. Co- Colleen Costello. Tell us about that program. So it's um, Joe Wilson, Colin Costello, Matthew Ward, and myself, and it's called the Classic Movie Salon. Basically, it's a book club for film. And what we do is we all watch, we uh, select a film uh, from a list that we come up with, and they're all classic movies. Usually, most of what we watch is like before like 1975. And so we watch them, and we'll talk about them, and we invite other people to do They're all free on YouTube, basically. We try to pick public domain things so everybody can watch. And then we convene and talk about them 
the film and then other commentary. So, you know, we have Matthew Ward, who is in London, and he is our resident historian. He's brilliant when it comes to anything about history. So he always puts the film into a historical context of what was going on at the time, whether it's war, whether it's, especially if it's Europe. Very brilliant in terms of that. Uh, Joe Wilson is also a filmmaker. He's a former comedian as well. And so he just brings this hilarious spin to things. And um, Colleen is, she's an accountant by trade, but is a, is a film enthusiast and just has like this, sh this memory. We're like, damn, Colleen, how did you remember that? <laughs> so she's, she's just for years has loved film and has been involved in film. And then, of course, there's me. So we, I don't know, we just kind of mesh. Yeah, I, I remember, you know, I, I interviewed Joe like year, a couple of years ago. And um, so I, I didn't even know he was on Blab, you know. So I was like, I, I came into a room and he was in there and you were on the show with him. I was like, well, how is this a small world? You know, <laughs> like, you know, and, uh, you know, he's funny guy, real funny guy. And um, I was really, I really, really enjoy that program that you guys have. And um, when this now, once again, when does it come on? It's Sundays at, um, well, so for you it would be California time, but it's Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, which is 2 p.m. West Coast time, and is that 10 p.m. UK time. So we're all across the globe, so. Nice, nice, nice. Mm -hmm. Wow, where were you guys, where, where was I when you guys were coming up with all this? Because that, that sounds like a kind of a thing I'd be a natural for. I love oh, you've got to tune in. You've got. I to love tune classic in. movies, but in my case, of course, being slightly older, you know, when you, if you saw me going like this when you said movies prior to 1975, it's because, oh God, they're doing classics prior to. For me, a classic is prior to 1960. <laughs> I'm old. Well, we try to expand, so that's why we're kind of like 1975. And you know, it's getting up in years, so that could be considered classic. But most of what we watch, I've found the bulk of what we watch has been between 1940 and 1960, that's the bulk of what we've been watching. And just some fascinating films. We've even uh, done some silent films. So it's, it's been great. We did Metropolis uh, two weeks ago. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, this week and this Sunday, I am tied up with uh, the uh, 11th anniversary of the radio station that started it all for Machinima, TMOA, the movies oh, on wow. air. It is our 11th anniversary. And uh, so this Sunday, I will be on that show doing my annual Oscar predictions. Oh, Fantastic. You see, so. I'm excited about this type of stuff. So <laughs> I'm like, yes, no, that's that's great. Well, whenever we're we're on every Sunday, so whenever um, you you like, come join us. Oh, might I add, where uh, the social media scene is on Fridays, West Coast people, nine a.m. That means you got to get up. You ain't got to get up, but you can at least roll over and just pick up the phone. Nine a.m. East Coast. 12 noon, so 9 a.m., 12 noon, Eastern Time. All right, all right, all right. Now, um, before we, we get into uh, the piece that uh, Arpa wants to talk about uh, with you, um, I always refer to you, Tachi, as my, um, my uh, future dance instructor. 
<laughs> Which leads me to ask, have you seen this man dance? No, I have not. Not, not, yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Uh, see, but that's what, see, when she gets a hold of me, I'm going to be uh, better than Michael Jackson, right? So we'll put you on Dancing with the Stars, in other words. Uh, yeah, right, with the internet stars, right? Uh, so, wow. So, um, you know, I've always wanted to talk to you about... Uh, uh, your dancing career and, and um, choreo- uh, your choreography. Um, tell how'd you get into it first? Of all? Yeah, so I I did dance when I was little, uh, probably for like two years, and then I did I stopped. My mother got busy, so she couldn't take me to classes anymore. I didn't dance again until college, and I was. Um, I danced with the African dance troupe at the University of Buffalo, and then that you know that was something that I loved because I was like, oh, that's cool. So eventually, I ended up being president of the African dance troupe, and, and then fast forward, then I didn't dance again for a while. But then I went to grad school in Washington D.C. and started taking classes at a, a studio called Dance Place, and they had all sorts of classes, and I'd always loved dance. So apparently, the talent never left me, and I just got better and better and better. Until one day, the uh, director of Dance Place, we were, you know, stretching out. She said, what do you do on Tuesday and Thursday mornings? I was like, nothing. She said, come to company rehearsal. So from there, I started going to company rehearsal, and I joined Carla and Company. And then here's the thing. I've never auditioned for any of the dance companies I was in. I was always asked to be in it. So I... I danced basically when I was dancing. I danced with three dance companies in Washington, D.C. And when I was, you know, in the height of dancing, I was taking class every day, usually twice, twice or three times a day, just because I loved dance that much. And that love of dance is probably what made me get better and better and better. So I started from not really being able to do certain things to doing barrel turns and damn near flips and stuff. And I started older. I didn't start dancing professionally till I was like 27. So, which is very very late for a dancer. Oh wow. So, does now how does dance uh, help you in your other pursuits? Uh, cuz I always hear like uh singing and dancing. I, I like I, a lot of actors will say that that actually helps them in, you know, uh with their acting, you know. So, how does dance help you in your other pursuits? Oh, it's well, first of all, dance is performance. So that's why I have no problem. What? You need somebody to know? Give me the mic. I don't mind because I love performance. So from, because I have theater training too. Um, Interesting story. This is a a side note, sidebar. In the movie Fences, the uh, Denzel Washington's best friend is played by Steve Henderson. That was my theater teacher in college. So I have some Ah. Yeah, some decent theater training. Um, yeah, so I would fun- say so. He was excellent <laughs> in that film. Oh, yeah, I love Professor Henderson. So from theater to dance, it's all performance, and that really translates to what I'm able to do, quote-unquote, on screen. So from whether it's an interview or one of the shows I do, I channel whatever I did in performance or doing performances into that type of performance. Also, it's stamina. If you've never done a one-hour African dance performance, <laughs> you, you have no idea what stamina is. In fact, when I first started African dancing with a company, I nearly quit because it was that much. But it, I, you keep at it, and you, you build your stamina. And that stamina 
translates to other things. So people sometimes will ask me, damn, this is like today, this is the third stream I've been on. How are you able to do that? I have that African dance stamina. There's nothing else that can, <laughs> so it's stamina. So that's how that dance has translated into this. No, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from with that too. I've, ne that, I've never had to do African dance, but I have done, when I was in college, programs of Polish and Russian dancing both of which are very <laughs> athletic, and boy, you Absolutely. do you do an hour of that, and you're going, ah, ah. so I know where you're coming from. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've seen Polish dancing because Buffalo has a huge Polish American population, and so Polish dance and polka was all over the place. So. Yeah. Oh, Polish dance is fun, especially the mountain dances where the throwing we we throw axes at each other. It's it's just great, boy. You got to have your timing. Wow. <laughs> and you're still alive. Paramedics standing by. I'm talking. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Now, um, now uh, Arpo, you wanted to um, to uh, talk about something specifically? Yes, yes, about um, about the book, the, oh. the audio book, because that was such an amazing concept. And uh, back at the beginning of the show, uh, uh, Grace and I were talking about this, I think, the yeah. other night, too. The, the book, Epic, Dawn of Destiny. Uh, most people, you know, when, when you do an audio book, we're used to one person's doing the whole book, or maybe two or three people. There was like 20 people doing that book. And I, I'm just amazed at the 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 awesome amount of hard work that had to go into something like that. Uh, now, did, were you people all working together? Were you just by yourself in a room just doing your parts of the story? I mean, how, how, how did all that work? How did all that come together? From, from what I understand, we were all in separate places. So what happened is he went, because I'm listed on, where did he find me? Lee found me on... I think it was Voices.com, and so because I'm listening on a couple of sites, so he went on Voices.com and and found me and asked if I would be interested in in doing it, and I automatically was because I'm such a huge sci-fi fan. I'm a Whovian and all of that, so I'm I was such a huge fan of it, and I read it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, and it was there were all of us that really just believed in the project because it wasn't obviously it wasn't like a high budget thing it was people who believed in the project and wanted to see it do well and that's how he just you know basically found us on i don't know if we were all from uh voices.com or voices one two three but i think he found a lot of us that way and presented it to us and we all recorded separately and we recorded and then sent him the audio and that's how he mixed it together wow that, so I mean, it's it, just... Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to ask in terms of direction uh, uh, with regards to it. It's like he allowed you that latitude of, uh, of being able to develop your character or did you get any profiling for each one of your performances or was it just a, here's the lines, let's, you know, let's see how you do and how you feel it? Yeah, basically that was it. He sent you the script, and this is what you had to read. And if I, I don't think I had to re-record anything. I think he was happy because what what I did was I gave a couple of reads, um, and so 
he found what he was happy with and 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 used that. And I guess it worked because we did win an award. So yeah, it's well. Uh, I I just happened to come across it on on well on IMDb first, but then I found on YouTube that there was an actual commercial made for this book. And I'm watching the commercial, and I'm like, my God, the voices and music and sound effects. And it, it was really like an audio movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's be, you're right. That that's perfectly characterizes it. It's beyond an audio book. It's an audio, yeah, an audio movie, yeah. An audio experience. Yes, exactly. It engulfs you completely. And that is a, uh, where I'm enjoying a lot of the way that a lot of voiceovers are going by a more interactive experience with the audience. Like, it's no longer great. You know, you sound out the words, and there it is. It's like you actually have a myriad of acting to have to do to bring in the quality for it. Yeah, they, exactly. If you, if you ever watch, and those, make it uh, more theatrical. Yeah, if you ever watch the uh, the behind the scenes where the, you see the actors uh, recording their stuff, like they're you know, I mean, they're like really acting like in the in those yes. boxes and stuff. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty crazy when you see it, you know. And I, you know, and you know that's the, you know those movies, especially like the animated stuff. Those are the ones that seems like they. Are, I mean, when's the last one that missed? It seemed like they all are hit. So uh, that's where the money's at. It looks like I know one of, one of the greatest things to watch uh, uh, in terms of that, in terms of the behind the scenes thing, Robin Williams doing the voice of the genie in Aladdin. I mm. I swear to God, I, I don't know how he was staying at the microphone. His body and gestures and face were all so animated that it was just like you know. You feel like he should be running around the studio doing all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's called voice acting, and I think one of sometimes the mistakes that people make. So, okay, when I first got into it, I got into voiceover because people said, kept saying, "Oh, you have such a unique voice. You should do voiceover." And I kept saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then finally, I said, "Okay, I'll try it." And so my concept of what voiceover was was not voice acting. It was more. So announcing, which is completely different. Mm -hmm. And so I did a demo and sent it to I'm I'm listed with voice uh, voice USA and voice over Miami. So I, I live in South Florida. So I do a lot of stuff for Miami. And so I the person who runs it is very well known. Sent him uh, the demo that I got done, you know, just kind of I, I went to a producer and he directed me. He said, oh, this is great. And with the, uh, the person from Voice Voice Over Miami said, the first two are brilliant. And then it just goes downhill from there. I was like, oh, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to go. And he gave me uh, the person to, to go to. And the person that I went and trained with not only did voiceovers, but he was a comedian and did improv. And improv is so... Key, such a key because it teaches you to think on your feet. It's good for cold reading. It it, it, it yes. did wonders. So after I went through the I took class with him for like two years, and in the course I re-recorded my demo. And as soon as uh, he heard it, he put me on voice one voices uh, voice over Miami. And that was because that theater training of improv and helping to think on your feet helped tremendously 
so that I didn't think about it as announcing anymore that it was actually acting. Yes. Now, uh, yes. Now, uh, is uh, singing in your toolbox, uh, Tachi? Can you sing? I do sing. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Okay. okay. I do. Is there any? But it's not triple, my big. She's a triple threat, people. A triple threat. Is, is, there, is there any tape on that? Have you seen it? I, I'm more of a cripple threat myself, but uh... <laughs> a cripple wow, threat. wow, wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, you, that, wow! That's funny. So, is, is you any... don't want to see me dance. Is, is there any? Is there any tape on you uh, singing at all somewhere on the internet, possibly? Mm-hmm. No, no. Yes, yes. Where? On the show. Oh, that's true. Oh. But that's just little snippets of stuff. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Somebody's busted. All right, so one day, one day we'll, we'll all have to do a, uh, we'll do a big sing along, all of us, uh, you know. But of course, I'll be lip syncing while you guys actually sing. See, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you make it, it, no, 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 just like the that time that you made us all sing that Christmas stuff. It's like uh, you know that song. No, I didn't do that. When you had uh, me, the monk, all of us uh, do the recordings for it. No, that was the monk. Who did that? That was the monk that did that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah the did, monk was big on that. Yeah, I didn't do that. that, that was, yeah, that, it's like just like you that, had all that. It's that, like no, nope, you don't a, get to get away with like the whole lip sync. I mean, thing. I'm, I'm a. I, so that's okay. That's okay. He, he can lip sync. I'll do his voice. Okay. represents the lollipop guild. The lollipop <laughs> guild. The lollipop guild. And in the name of the lollipop. Yeah. Okay, um, wow. We um, wish to welcome you to Munchkin Land. Okay, where's the tomato? There you go. Where's some Can't tomatoes at? Where's some tomatoes at? <laughs> All right, so before we get out, before we get out of here, uh, I'm going to um, do the weekend box office from last last week. Um, so uh, these are the top ten movies that came out last week. Um, so uh, starting from number ten, uh, the movie Sing. I don't. Did you guys see Sing at all? This movie. Uh, no, I haven't seen the singing pigs yet. Okay. No, right. uh, it seemed like something that was, you know, uh, 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 kind of a movie plague, just to be avoided. Don't even let it get on you. I want to see it, but it's one of those things of that I'll see it when it's on DVD. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right, so number nine was Lion. Number eight was La La Land, uh, which uh, I definitely want to see at some point. Absolutely. Uh, uh, seven is Rings. Uh, six, <laughs> A Dog's Purpose. Five, Hidden Figures. Uh, four, Split. Uh, three, John Wick Chapter 2. Two, Fifty Shades Darker. And the number one film grossing at $53 million is the Lego Batman. <laughs> and those are your top Actually, there was two. an interesting article about that the other day, that it actually does better uh, than Batman v Superman in terms of the Justice League. Oh, wow, that's pretty sad. Uh, that Lego well, Batman it's because everybody remembers Batman as being the most hysterically funny character from the Lego movie. Yeah. See, I didn't see the Lego But movie. in terms of that, it's like, yes. I think that anything could possibly top Batman v Superman. Okay, so now Fifty Shades Darker. I didn't see Fifty Shades of Grey. I had no desire to. I uh, just saw it. I literally just saw it. Was it good? Was it good? Uh, I didn't learn anything new, but (laughs) but her face is running right there. Uh, Her face is a review right there. Oh wow! (laughs) I mean, but but those individuals. 
for those individuals who love that kind of young female who's seduced by the rich, you know, relatively famous, uh, I, I, yeah, you know, then it, it works. You know, she gets, quote unquote, as we would say, she gets turned out. Okay, all right, well. I mean, if you want that kind of movie, that's basically what it is. And I think, you know, a lot of women have, happen to gravitate to that type of movie. Uh, so it was, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> okay. It was all right. No. It was all right. No, I did. That's why I, I didn't rush to see the, you know, I'm, I'm like, what, a year late in seeing it? Yeah, I'm I'm going to be many years late. Uh, I'm, yeah, I think I think, I, I, think 50, I might. I'm, Fifty Shades Darker. I was, I didn't even think that was related to the movie. Right. When I first heard the title. I might. I might. Uh, I might. Uh, I might end up dying without seeing it. Unfortunately for me. Um, now I did see. Uh, That's my goal in life, actually. What to die to without seeing the movie? To die without seeing Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh wow. Okay. Well, now, some might some might see it as a tutorial. Yeah. So. <laughs> But you know there was another movie that came out like about what five ten years ago called Secretary. It seemed like it's the same movie, the one with um, I think it was uh, Spader, right? James Spader and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Again, another movie that didn't even hit my radar. Yeah, I mean, I I, I only seen a little bit of it. It seemed a little too uh, over the top even for myself. But uh, yeah, it was like. But I'm when I was hearing about Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm like, that's the same plot as the James Spader movie from like that that got all the the remember it was getting all the the Oscars that's ho- and all that? but that's Hollywood though that's mm-hmm. so typically Hollywood if it made money ten years ago let's do it again they're acting like it's exactly. brand new though that's the thing that gets me is they're acting like Fifty Shades of Grey was some revelation I'm like they just did this movie like I mean I haven't it's seen a whole a whole new generation of people I guess yeah. Now, that, that's the key right there. Now, I did see um, John Wick Chapter 2, which I, I was... I, I, I'm sorry, I saw John Wick Part 1. Who said that? Me. Oh, I, we're going to ignore you. Because I, 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 like, no, I, I like John I, I like John Wick. It's my show, dude. John, you show up to the show late, you don't get to talk, okay? You, you don't get to bash my John Wick, okay? I, I like John Wick. Even if it is your show. John Wick, John Wick... He killed more people than cancer, HIV, and uh, the police department put together. Okay, this this guy was just—I mean, you know—it was definitely a, a kill fest. Uh, you know, the action was really, really good. Um, you know, and you got to give Keanu Reeves a lot of credit. I mean, he really, he really, um, you know, worked his butt off to uh, pull it off because he did. You know, he does a lot of the action in the in the movie. Um, you know, so if you're looking for it, like a, a plot, don't watch it. <laughs> you know, don't watch it. You know, it, it, it's really no plot. Yeah. It's just you know an excuse. It's punishment for dogs. It, yeah, it's a, you know, you know, but you know what's so funny, uh, Grayson? Um, our buddy was the one who delivered the dog in the first one. I didn't even realize it. I feel like a, a yeah. jerk. Uh, Gamila, she she was the delivery person who delivered his dog that got off. Yeah. I just during the show because I, I just seen it again, and I, I I don't know how that escaped me the first time. So I gave her a little. She was the best part uh, of the movie. Oh, when she delivers the dog that gets murdered yes. like uh, ten minutes later, yeah. So, uh, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, I definitely enjoyed the. I enjoyed the sequel, you know. Uh, but uh, obviously, you got to check your brain at the door, uh, you know, when you go see a movie 
quite like that. So uh, now coming out this week, <laughs> we have um, uh, a, I'm not going to do all the movies that are coming out this week, but we have um, Fist Fight starring uh, Ice Cube uh, about these teachers. It's the I'll read the synopsis. I'll read the synopsis. I'll read the synopsis, and you guys tell me if uh, if uh, you guys uh, want to see it or are you going to pass. Okay, so uh, here's the synopsis. It's a rated R film. Uh, on the last day of the year, a mild mannered high school English teacher, uh, Andy Campbell, is uh, trying his best to keep it together amidst senior pranks and dysfunctional administration and budget cuts that put jobs on the line. But things go from bad from, to worse when he accidentally crosses his much tougher and and deeply uh, feared colleague, Ron Strickland, played by Ice Cube, uh, who challenges Campbell to an old-fashioned throwdown after school. News of the fight spreads like wildfire and ends up becoming the very thing this school and Campbell needed. So, I'm going to start off with our guest, of course, as always. Uh, Let's start off with uh, Alice. Does this seem like something that you would want to see, or would you pass on this? Pass. Pass? Okay. You don't see uh, Ice Cube beat up some some guy? What's his name? Charlie? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) He better win the fight, by the way. If I want to do that, I'll just go listen to his old NWA record. (laughs) He better better win the fight. Uh, All right, so Tachi, uh, does this sound like something that might uh, get you... uh, to the theater. Yeah, clearly they've run out of ideas. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. All right, so Grayson, uh, fist fight. Does this sound like something that you would like to see? It sounds funny. Only it sounds like something I would watch, like on the movie network. Okay, so you uh, it. basically go to the theater for it. I don't know. So you got to. I'm gotta, control, I'm on the bubble. On the bubble. Oh wow, you're fired. Uh, what about you? What about you, Arpo? Um, I have I have seen a uh, a preview for this movie, and it looks to be incredibly funny, but it's no cooties, and it's something that I can certainly wait to see. I do want to see it, mm-hmm. but not at uh, ten eleven dollars a pop. No. All right, I I'm, I'm going to pass as well. Uh, so. Someone, someone. If anyone's seen it out there, they can actually spoil it for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. You can tell me who wins the fight. All right. So our next movie is called A Cure for Wellness, which I actually got free tickets to see a couple of days ago, and I didn't even go see it. Darn it. Uh, but don't, but don't use that as uh, uh, as my vote. But um, okay, here's the here's the plot. An ambitious young exec is sent to retrieve his company's CEO from an idyllic but mysterious wellness center at a remote location in the Swiss Alps. He soon suspects that the spa's uh, treatments are not what they seem when uh, he begins to... uh, uh, when he begins to unravel its terrifying secrets, his sanity is tested as he finds himself diagnosed with the same curious illness that keeps all the guests here longing for a cure. Alright, this says this movie's rated R for disturbing violent content and images sexual content, including an assault 
gravity. I'm sorry, graphic nudity and language. All right, so we're gonna start with Tachi. Does this sound like something you would want to get off the couch and go see in the theater? It sounded interesting until you talked about assault. <laughs> then that just kind of. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I might have to wait. It seems like it's interesting mm -hmm. because I like the whole... There's definitely a plot there, right. but I think... I think Yeah, too much of violence or whatever, I'm not... I don't like gratuitous violence, so... Mm, okay. I'll wait till it comes on streaming. What about you, Alice? I'll pass. Oh, I oh. just doesn't, doesn't... Doesn't move me at all. It's hard to get Alice uh, to the theater, huh? Uh, actually, it's not. Oh, okay. But uh, with with that particular uh, plot and story, mm, doesn't move me. Okay. What about you, Grayson? Uh, does this seem like something you would be interested in seeing? I would be curious, but I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to still. Uh, it's more curiosity. Yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, sure, I'd go. Okay, an article. Uh, it seems kind of like. In Like Flint meets the Twilight Zone. Oh, wow. Um, I, you know, it, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie, but I, it, it doesn't strike me as something that's going to be a, a, a real winner in the box office. We'll see if the numbers next week prove me wrong. Now, I, I'm not going to go see this in the theater, but it definitely does look like something that... I could see myself watching uh, on video or Ill illegal download. I mean, um, or uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't use that word here. <laughs> like, oh, did I say that out loud? My bad. Uh, you don't use those words together. You can say it, illegal. Right. No, you can say download. Just don't put them together. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm gonna go. Uh, Sorry, we have a new law-abiding citizen here. You don't use certain words, okay? All right, so we have two more films, and then uh, we'll, we'll say our goodbyes. Uh, this next film I never heard of until just now, but it actually stars some pretty big stars. It actually stars Josh Lucas, Terrence Howard, Lake Bell, and Carrie. I can never say this guy's name. Elwes. Carrie Elwes. Elwes. Elwes is that yeah. right? You know the guy from uh, The Princess Bride. Uh, it's called Ghost of New Orleans. Hmm. Yeah, let's see. Ghost of New Orleans, I can't talk tonight. Uh, a disgraced detective, Josh Lucas, has a supernatural encounter which leads him to investigate the murder of a beautiful cellist, Lake Bell. Oh, so she dies in this. That sucks. That unlocks the truth behind her mysterious death. This movie is, I don't see a rating. So I guess it's, yeah, it's not rating. It wasn't rated. All right. So, once again, we're going to go to Alice. Uh, does this sound like something you would want to go see? I like Terrence generally. Terrence Howard generally, as far as his, his body of work. Mm -hmm. I could be talked into seeing that in a the theater, quite okay. possibly. Okay. Just because it has that supernatural, of as long as it's not a horror type mess, I don't do horror movies at all. But if it's got a paranormal something suspenseful, interesting, a little mystery to it, I, I might. Okay, okay. All right, we're getting her, we're getting her out of the... Out of, out. Uh, what about you, Tachi? Does this sound like something that might float your boat? 
I might be interested in seeing this simply because I absolutely love the culture of New Orleans, and if there's a little bit of that in there, and and I, I could see myself seeing that. Okay. And what about you, Arpo? Well, unlike you, Kente, I don't live in a box. I have been waiting for this movie to come out. Really? Mm. Yes. Oh. Very much looking forward to it. Really? I have never heard of this movie, and I'm pretty... I keep my ear to the ground, so I guess I gotta leave it more to the ground. So, uh, okay, so he said he's looking forward to seeing it. I mean, it's... it's. Well, I'll wait to uh, Grayson. So what, what do you think, Grayson? Does it sound like something that might float your boat? Mm, I get on the bubble with that uh, whole thing. It's like, yes, I would probably want to see it. I'm gonna say I'm about 60% there. But I'd want to see at least one review on it first. Like, at least one person who has seen it and said uh, that I would trust as a trusted source before I would go and see it. Okay. Yeah, I mean... That's like a, you know, my my friend goes to the theater and says to me, you know, it's a decent movie. They know my taste in movies, so... Then, yeah, I'd probably be, like, flocking to the box office. Now, now, it sounds really good. I mean, I would definitely like i would like to see it but i don't know i would go to the theater so uh you know that's i'm not sure about that and our last film before we say our goodbyes is a very controversial film this weekend will the movie the great wall comes out and it starts oh yes it stars everybody's uh favorite actor matt damon uh pedro pascal uh he's a great actor and Willem Dafoe and a bunch of Chinese people. Um, <laughs> here's the storyline. It's, it's rated PG-13 for sequences of fantasy action violence. Okay, here we go. Uh, when a mercenary warrior, Matt Damon, is in prison with the Great Wall, within the Great Wall, he discovers the mystery behind one of the greatest wonders of our world. As a wave of... Uh, as wave after wave of marauding beasts besiege the massive structure, his quest for fortune turns into. Uh oh, there's some body's background is really loud. Uh, his quest for fortune turns into a journey towards heroism as he joins a huge army of elite warriors to confront the unimaginable and seemingly unstoppable force. Uh. This says this is the first English language production um, of this director since since uh, here he did Hero House of Flying Daggers as well. All right, so this movie was very controversial for a lot of reasons, um, but it's finally out. So I'm going to start off with you, uh, Tachi. Uh, do you want to see Matt Damon save a bunch of Chinese people? Is he playing? Is he playing a Chinese person? I hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, he's no, he is not. Um, let me just forge him for one second to say I have seen this movie. Oh, okay. So okay. if you have any questions about it, uh, no, he does not play a Chinese person. He plays a mercenary who's out to get the secret of gunpowder. Okay. All right. So <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just have I have some issues. When it comes to somebody coming in and swooping people that they uh, are swooping in and saving people that they don't think are capable of saving themselves, I just have a problem with that that storyline. So I don't know, but you've seen it, so it might be different. But I'm not looking to see it. 
And what about you, Alice? Do you want to go see The Great Wall? What did she say? It. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Grayson, does this sound like something you would be uh, interested in seeing? Yes, but for a different reason. Okay. It's not because uh, of the whole uh, Matt Damon being in it. It's the fact that it's like this is this director's uh, debut into here. For, well, not debut, but break in back into English uh, films that he hasn't. And it's like, it because it being uh, China co-production, it's like, I'd love to see what they're looking at because with China being such a huge factor, it will, uh, from that perspective, you know, uh, and these co-productions that are happening, what's the expectation? Okay, all right. Of level. And um, being that uh, Arpo has seen it, uh, I'll say before we go to him, that um, I actually had a chance to see this as well uh, a week ago or so. Um, I just never, you know, I just I was gonna go, but I got so busy I never made it to the uh, to the screening. So uh, definitely, I don't. I, I probably will probably end up never seeing this movie. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, doesn't you know? But I, I was gonna see the free screening, but uh, I, I don't even know if I, you know, maybe if it's on HBO or something, I'll I'll, I'll catch it, but. Uh, not something that seems like it's all that great. It kind of reminds me of the Dragon... What was it called? Not Dragonheart. What was the one with the... I think Christian Bale was in it with the dragons. And uh, it was like Christian Bale and... Was it Christian Bale? With the dragons that were attacking and then it was like this war against... I think, was it called, I think it was called Dragonheart or something like that. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit. But... Alright, so let's go to you, Arpos. Now, you did go see it. What did you think of it? <laughs> Um, I found it uh, to be, in terms of plot, to be a little bit tedious. The special effects are really good, and, you know, the Great Wall of China, man, if they weren't filming it right at the Great Wall of China, then all I could say is they built some really magnificent sets, because that part of it looks gorgeous. Um, but, once again, pedantic storyline kind of left me falling asleep near the beginning mm. until the dragons actually started flying around. I will say it is being released in 3D, and I probably would enjoy it more in 3D. Oh, yeah, because you're a big 3D guy. Like, you, you're, you, you're totally on board with 3D. It, it almost requires being in 3D for me to go out and see it anymore. Oh, wow. Although I, I am making, I am making, I am making exceptions on the New Orleans one because I've really been looking forward to that. All right, okay, all right. Well, that concludes our, our movies that are coming out this week. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the films uh, Get Out, Rock Dog, as well as uh, Bitter Harvest. Those are the ones that we'll be talking about next week. All right, so uh, with all that said, I want to go back to our wonderful guests. Thank you, ladies, so much for uh, hanging with us. we got to get you guys back on again. Uh, I want you to, once again, t uh, tell us how can we reach you, ladies, in social media, and once again, tell us uh, how we can catch your different programs. Uh, you want to start off first, Alice? Um, I can be reached through the fan page, uh, Sure Social fan page. I'm on Twitter at Sure Social. Um, on basically on most of your major platforms as Sheer Social, except for LinkedIn. I am I am Alice Fuller there. 
Um, you can catch the show uh, 12 p.m. noon Eastern Time, West Coast. Just just get up <laughs> at 9 a.m. <laughs> for uh, the social media scene. So it's 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, 12 noon Eastern. On what days? Hmm? Friday. Fridays. Fridays. Friday, so either have breakfast or have lunch with us. Have breakfast, lunch with you guys. That's cool. Like mm, a little, like yes. Yeah. I almost like said a little TNA, but I stopped myself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Gonna, yeah, a lot of people are gonna start uh, watching even more. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they will see exactly what they're seeing tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's hilarious. All right, uh, Tashi. Yeah, so I am Tachiada, T-A-C-H-I-A-D-A, on all platforms. That's uh, Periscope, Busker, uh, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, all the platforms I am at, at Tachiada, except for Facebook. I use my real name, Chatachi A. Egwu. So I'm my real name on Facebook. And I do, besides the social media scene, I do Mediascope on Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Periscope and Busker, 7.30, Facebook Live. On Sundays, we do the Classic Movie Salon at 2 p, uh, sorry, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And then I also have a podcast called TV Channeling that I do with Kevin Williams. And that is out every week. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean. You can listen by going to tvchanneling.com. We talk all about TV and film and entertainment. I love it. I love it. I love it. Quick question. Uh, where do we find the uh, the classic movie? Oh, Classic Movie Salon. You can go to classicmoviesalon.com and that takes you to um, we actually do it through Smile Time so classicmoviesalon.com or you can watch it on Facebook because we push it out to Facebook and you can uh, watch it via Joe Wilson's uh, Facebook page okay and uh, Arpo, how can we get you in social media and such? And what should we be on a look? Well, you can always find me on Facebook. If you can't find me anywhere else, I am on LinkedIn. I am on the Movies Underground forums quite a bit. And I am trying to start work on building my website for Rich Posh Productions, hmm. my official coffee mug. And uh, also, I'll be hanging out from time to time. Uh, well, the the web address is too far, too long to give here. But uh, Wogglebug Productions, Wogglebug Love Productions, I'll be hanging out there promoting the new movie. Hmm. All right, all right, all right. And uh, Grayson. Well, you can get me on LinkedIn, Visapia, Facebook, Twitter. Um, goodness, on. The YouTube page for both Movie Time, as well as also um, the one for my Grace and Sonata page. You can, all, um, as I've said, you can get me through various means of social media at Movie Time Indie, at Sonata Grayson on Twitter, um, LinkedIn under uh, that on our page www.pastliveproductionsinc.net. And also, please be sure to join in on Wednesday when we have our guest Peter Foldy coming in for our interview. 
uh, there and also our Friday show where we will be talking about our film festivals that we were talking about of last week. We will be continuing that conversation for you guys who, uh, who all missed it. And so uh, that's going to be all exciting as well. And uh, like I say, uh, that if you can't find me on social media, you're definitely not stalking me hard enough. And let me just add, uh, as a little precursor to next week's show, if you missed Wednesday's movie time, do go check it out on on uh, on YouTube because yes. uh, it really ties very much into what we're going to be talking about next week. All right, all right, all right. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Kente F. And you can also uh, you can go to our website. It's called IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. Uh, this Monday, we will be covering uh, the latest episodes of the show Black Sales as well as The Walking Dead. And also, um, you know, we're, we'll have some more content uh, coming up as well uh, yet to be announced. Uh, I want to, once again, thank my guest as, uh, you know, it was nice to finally get a chance to meet you, Alice. And um, thank you. And you know, uh, Tashi, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. And no, oh, thank you. Uh, you know, you guys were awesome, and thank you so much for uh, for doing that. And I'm so sorry uh, that I'm uh, I was late. It was like uh, they did a wonderful thing at the synagogue for us uh, for oh, to yeah. honor my new Americanism. Well, congrats. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. With that said, we'll see you next time.